0: And so he wanted me to know, like, he's seeking me out, not the other way around. The problem, Carrie, and this is something that I had to unpack as I got older that I never really talk about is I got that letter during the final four.
1: And I was so not ready for that. Ready for that. So you guessed it. The infamous and famous Fab Five member, Jalen Rose. On the podcast today, Get Naked.
2: This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip.
4: Champions to be a champion, a champion and carry champion and carry champion, a champion and carry champion and carry champion. Raiders, Raiders and sports and entertainment, connected with we vulnerable, considered weak. Come and remove the veil from entertainment's elite. It's the difference between what is real and what the public sees. So here's your favorite celebrities behind the scenes. It's refreshing. Authentic. the whole story, specific life-altering events that shape the person that you hear. We got a champion and carry champion. Hey girl, you did it. It's the greatest in sports and entertainment, connecting with it? every champion and carry champions to be a champion. Got <laughs> a champion and carry champion. Hey girl, you did it. Got a champion and carry champion and.
1: Today, our guest is um, a friend, a colleague, an excellent NBA player, NBA vet, retired. Most notable, though, if I have to be honest, for me, I came to know one Jalen Rose when he was playing at the University of Michigan. Yondo the Fab Five, and if you don't do your homework, excellent documentary on ESPN produced by Jalen Rose that tells the story of a group of kids who were from the streets who did something special. You know what I mean? And by special, I mean change the way we see college basketball. Unbeknownst to them, I believe, in the process, but they were able, as freshmen, sophomores, make it to the championship game. A lot of, I think, a lot of rules were made and rules were broken uh, to introduce them as they were in terms of the Fab Five. But Jalen Rose is just much more than the Fab Five, right? He is... um He's a good guy. He's a friend, as I mentioned earlier, and I'm I like telling the story of people that I know, but actually knowing more about them. So when I interviewed him in particular, it was to find out what I didn't know. And his story is layered and deep. I didn't know his father was a number one draft pick. I didn't know he didn't know his dad. I didn't know. That there were letters or a letter written from his father that really perhaps affected him while playing in a very important game. I share all this with you all to tell you that this story is special and Jaylen took some time to really get naked for us. And I appreciate you, my friend. We'll pick it up where he starts talking about, you know, what made you. I love to ask that question because we have energetic imprints of our family members on us as we become adults. And he um, has a very special story. Jalen Rose Gets Naked, I hope you all enjoy.
0: While I'm in the single-parent situation, the youngest of four, I never met my biological father, who's the number one pick in the 1967 NBA draft. I always felt like I was more special than everybody else. I used to say that when I was young. I had a rational confidence. Like people see me talk trash when I got to college. That didn't just start then. (laughs) You know, that I've been doing that my entire life. It was almost a way of survival sometimes in a lot of ways. And so even though we were poor, the entire block, the entire neighborhood, the entire community was as well. So I didn't necessarily feel like it because you get teased about anything anyway. <laughs> Bumps on your face, being skinny, having patches in your pants, holes in your shoes. People are going to tease you anyway, you know? And, and, and then you realize sometimes people are going to tease you that can also beat you in the fight. So you got to, you got to accept it and live to see another day. And so for me, it was about survival. It was about having a goal of trying to, Take my family out of the neighborhood. I never liked having kerosene heaters in the house. There were certain some there were certain winters where we didn't have heat and I boiled water to wash up, that type of thing. But it didn't feel abnormal because we weren't the only family on the block that was required to do that. But I definitely was, I always felt like I was. Driven to do something special, but it take a long time to get there.
1: If you didn't have to boil water growing up, then you're not a real one and you can't be on a podcast. Okay. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. Like, I toast to
0: that. No like, cheers.
1: About it. Like, I don't cheers fuck to fuck with you if you didn't have to no boil doubt. water.
0: you too fancy exactly. for
7: me. Mm hmm. Correct.
1: What I have noticed about you is your incredible. And I don't know if it is a personality that, that you've learned growing up, but your incredible way of connecting people. As long as I've known you, you've always been a connector. You've always been easy. And some people might say, oh, he politicking, you know, that, that word we use, right? Mm-hmm. But why not? Why not just try to get along? Why not try to make people come together? Why not be pleasant mm-hmm. when the situation isn't pleasant? Where does that come from?
0: It came from being a have-not and always feeling and appreciating the people that I saw give back to me in their own way. And it wasn't only always about money. So like my grandfather, Paramore Hicks Sr., Bainbridge, Georgia, we used to go down there in the summer. He had a, a, a grocery store. So he had his house, but he turned the you know, the garage into a, like a grocery store, a penny candy store. And he was always like immaculately dressed. dress. He always had nice hats. He used to smoke cigarettes and he used to smoke cools. And he used to always tell me, don't smoke cool, be cool. <laughs> and then he started calling me long boy when I was young. Cause obviously I was tall or whatever. So that's what my grandparents and my mother and uncle's, call me and my family since I was young. And like, 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 like just grow- continuing to like see role models in my life. His son, Paramore Hicks Jr. was like the Muhammad Ali of my family. He worked at the plant 40 plus hours a week. I'm gonna get this double time. I'm gonna work Saturdays, but he also was a great artist. He was the president of the bowling leagues, the president of the community. Block club, like he was that person. Drive past the house and check on everybody, and bring food at night. And so I had those people in my life. I had an older brother. I had two older. I have two older brothers, and and so I, I, I have a really great family dynamic. I had a great high school coach, and Perry Watson it was like a father figure to me. And Ed, Ed Martin, you know, during the five five years, his name took a lot of slander but for those that don't know like the money that he ended up getting was because he worked at the plant and he got an eye injury and now was his settlement money and he was basically somebody that was just trying to influence young people in the community 10 years before I ever got to southwestern so like seeing other people give and I'm I don't talk about it a lot publicly but I have a tattoo to say God's favor like my faith is really strong and We joke as black people that our faith had better been strong after 450 years of slavery and all of the hymns and all the stuff we've gone through. Right. But my faith is really strong. So I think all of those things kind of carried me to the point where if I had something to give back, I was willing to do it. And it just as I started to be able to give back more, I tried to do it more responsibly, but also try to do it where it could be meaningful.
1: You mentioned, you mentioned the male figures, strong male figures in your life, but you also said your father wasn't there and you never, you never met him. Is that as of late? Have you met your father? So
0: Jimmy Walker died in the late 2000s. I believe it was 2007. And I went to his funeral with Dave Bean. They were backcourt mates with the Pistons. And I was young. I did my intel. I was like, oh, the reason why he ain't around... Is because, because I have a basketball card. I'm like, you know, he got traded in December, but I was born in January. So, in my mind, as a kid, I validated it. So, I didn't really even ask my mother about my father or about our circumstances or surroundings. I saw what it was. He just wasn't there. So, I wasn't going to burden her with it. I was like, I'm going to be what he was supposed to be, my. So he wore number 24 in high school. I wore number 42 out of spite. Mm -hmm. I was like, he going to know my name Mm -hmm. and I'm going to make a name for myself and for my family. And so I did use that as motivation, definitely coming from a single parent situation, never knowing my father, knowing that he also was a professional athlete that allegedly had 13 kids by 11 women.
4: Wow.
1: Wow. You know what that's called, right? When you when you don't talk about something that's blatantly missing in your life. Do you know? No. How we, my therapist told me that's called fragmentation. My father wasn't around and we never talked about it. And I thought that was dope. Like I never brought it up until it was time for me to bring it up because other kids bring it up. So you talk about it. But it causes something that I wasn't familiar with is called fragmentation, which sometimes forces us to 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 question our realities because we don't know what's right and what's wrong or what's real or is that real or is that really happening? And I've seen that play out in my life. I'm like, what I see is different from what, what everybody else sees. There's this fragmentation there because no one's talking about it. It's the elephant in the room, mm-hmm. 42. Uh, he gonna know me, but it's never talked about. How do, you, how do you see, and you may not feel like it's fragmentation, but how do you see that disconnect playing out when you become this, this superstar player on the, first of all, obviously collegiate level, that's when the world knew you, but you had this level of fame prior to. You get to the collegiate level and it's crazy. Do you see mm-hmm. it playing out, your father not being there now that you look back on it? Because hindsight is always 2020 cliche.
0: Yes, and, and and that fragmentation played out via jealousy. And I always looked at Grant Hill as somebody that had the life that I wanted. Mm. And like many, when the Cosby show happened or the Jeffersons happened, like to see families together that were well-dressed, that were well-spoken, that were like entrepreneurs, like that that was rare. So I looked up to people like Don Cornelius on Soul Train mm-hmm. and I knew that he made sure that they never got the answer wrong because he never wanted to make us look bad. Mm-hmm. And he was putting on all of the artists and allowing us to express ourselves. You know, like there's a many years that we've been, you know, suppressed. And so th- the that is a level of fragmentation. You're right. And Out of sight, out of mind, for me, allowed me to stay focused on myself and not try to take on a lot of uh, pain or anger or disappointment of a relationship that I wasn't old enough to nurture what might be the results of it. So I got a letter from him while I was in college. Mm -hmm. And he wrote it because Mitch Alba was doing the Fab Five book. Mm -hmm. And he was never seeking to, like, you know, get in my shadow or nothing like that. He had his own career. He's a better player than me. He was, like, 40 in college. Like, he was a beast. And so he wanted me to know, like, he's seeking me out, not the other way around. The problem, Carrie, and this is something that I had to unpack as I got older that I never really talk about is, I got that letter during the Final Four. Mm. And I was so not ready for that. No, that wasn't the time. <laughs> that I was the- not ready for yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. Wait, you set know the, what I
1: mean? Set the, set the scene. Set the scene for the folks who may not know the legacy of the Fab Five and the Final Four. And when you get this
0: so, letter. So, like, one of the beautiful things about the Fab Five Brotherhood, shout to C-Web, Jawan, Ray and Jimmy, and shout to the Wolverines. Finally beat Ohio State. We're going to hmm. act like we do this all of the time. We That's a big deal.
1: That's <laughs> a big deal. Congratulations. <laughs> you
0: know what I, I I substitute that B and Buckeye. Y'all know how we do it. You know what I mean? Shout to my brother, Jim Jackson. So many cats, I got love for Ohio State. Y'all know what it is. Um, and so being a member of the Fab Five, Mitch Album, who covered the team ultimately wrote a best selling book about our group. And he had the access because obviously he was working in the media. And so while he was writing that book, he was quite clearly reaching out to certain people to talk to about it. And Jimmy Walker was one of the people. He reached out to Jimmy. Jimmy didn't necessarily want to do it, but Jimmy wrote me a letter to said that he did it and da 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 da. But anyway, Mitch got the letter. And he gave it to me the night before the game. And by no means is he the reason why we ain't win the championship. <laughs> I'm blaming him. I'm making you know, a connect. By no means. But I can't front. Like, the Carolina game, people look at c timeout. Like, that's my brother, and I'm a teammate. And if you ever play team sports or, like, really being invested in something, sure, and you really love the people that you're rocking with, Everybody, when you lose, go look at what they could have did better, including me. And I feel like that was the worst game I played of the year. Not even close. Like, this is not the rest of the world saying it. This is me saying it. And as I got older, I was like, wait a minute. I'm still walking around with this same letter seven years ago that I got as a college kid that I wasn't ready to open then. So clearly that has some mental trauma. Yeah. Because I didn't open it until seven years later. I carried around like Linus in a, in, in a blanket. Like just with me everywhere I went, just kept it, kept it in the backpack, kept it in the stuff, kept it with me, with me, with me, with me, never opened it. Yeah. I ain't open it until I was in the league. And I was like, you know what? I'm about to, I'm about to read this. It was the last dance year. That was the year I actually, I actually read it too. Mm-hmm. And what happened? And in the letter, he just let me know that he wasn't trying to ride my coattail or nothing like that, that he was proud of me. It was all positive. And we kept some dialogue and I, I told him I was going to try to come see him. I never tried to, I, I, I wasn't able to go see him and ultimately he ended up passing. But I did get a chance to tell him I love him. I, I'm, I'm grateful for him that, You know, he gave me the basketball jeans and him not being around gave me the motivation. It gave me the courage.
1: Do you know how um, much pain I hear in that statement?
0: I'm pretty sure it exists. So people see me now, right? They like, he got veneers now. Yeah, these four (laughs) veneers. Yeah, these (laughs) veneers. I got him as soon as I got drafted. You look, you run, look good. You,
1: look, you good. look good. You look good. <laughs> and,
0: and, and you know, he growing his hair out. Like, I look back at pictures of me when I was in college. Bald head, bumpy face, bad teeth, Jalen. Like he was hazardous to my health.
1: What do you mean? Like, why was that like, Jalen hazardous to your health? because he,
0: he had no filter. And he was uh he 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 was willing to be reckless and he was also willing to not only do that for himself but definitely willing to do it for the people that he loved like that's that that's just that that, that was just the nature of a young angry person that I was and i think back to this interview that we had when we was about to play duke and we was all sitting there mm-hmm. and i was like I don't have a fresh cut. Mm
7: -hmm. Like, I'm
0: broke. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't even want to do this right now. I don't even feel like that.
1: That's not even what you should have been
0: worried about. Right. Like, to me, I I was like, I don't even feel like doing this right now. Uh, And it was the one when we like, and you hear it. And I said, I said, oh, what up, Detroit? Can't get a fresh cut every day. You know what I mean? Like, that was the insecurity. I was broke. Couldn't get a fresh cut. And like, I'm on national. I'm on the big stage. So yes, I I look at my younger self and I do see his anger. I do see his pain and frustration with family, with society and all of that. And so I, I'm, I'm, I'm so very fortunate that I've been able to mature and over overcome a lot of that anger and that hostility that I had in my head and my heart.
1: And also the way that the men in your life that were in your life poured back into you, you know, yes, the way in which how you describe your grandfather and how people took care of you um, and showed you things that you remember. I see that playing out because I met Jalen met him, knew of him way before, but met him uh, when he was a, an adult. Um, mm-hmm. you, what you, I don't know if you remember this. I, th- I often told you. Do you remember the time I met you at the bar with my homegirl and you was trying to holler at her? Remember that? <laughs> before <laughs> I, the before I got there. That's before, the scene. Except, here's the scene. I'm out with my homegirl in L.A. We're in downtown, I think. And maybe you were already working at ESPN, but you weren't – you know Jalen Rose, NBA analyst at ESPN, <laughs> but she was an analyst. And my homegirl comes in; she was bad, like she's bad broad. And I remember, okay, she, there you. okay,
2: okay,
7: she was a baddie,
1: probably like six one, light skin mix, you know, yo mo. And <laughs> and we all sitting there, and I was working at the tennis channel at the time, and we were talking, and you was at my girl, like at her, but real p- respectful, not inappropriate. I don't have a disrespectful story. And I was like, yeah, no, I work at Tennis Channel. i bet y'all probably work at ESPN soon. And he's like, mm-hmm, good for you. Like, kind of just like, okay, how many broads I meet tell me that's where they're going to work? And then, <laughs> and, 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 then, and then you and my friend exchanged numbers. I don't know whatever happened. And she wasn't like a close friend. She was just somebody I was hanging out with for a couple of years. But mm-hmm. y'all exchanged numbers and y'all hung out. And he was real smooth with it. He was just like, so let me, let me call you. Would you know that you to do that? <laughs> real smooth with it. And she was trying to, and she was trying to act like she wasn't excited, but she was excited. She went to the bathroom. She was excited to talk to you. She's like, "Oh my god!" And I thought it was, I thought it was cute. I felt a way. I felt away because you ignored me. But I was like, because my ego, my ego was big as hell. I was like, I'm bad too. Shit, I know I ain't light skin with good hair, but still, I'm cute and she then probably was
0: just sitting the closest, that's all.
1: don't try to smooth it out now and then which was great because to me I think God works in mysterious ways because I didn't get to experience you like that I'm pretty sure you don't even know who that is I don't remember her name either at the time but the reality is is that I got to meet you in a real full experience way when I worked with you and there wasn't none of this awkwardness like oh we might have hollered I might have might have hollered Bro. at him another you Bro. know so it all works. It worked out perfectly. Um, but I do remember thinking, what a nice man. Because, you know, you meet, you live in L.A. You meet athletes all the time. And then it's not always the best story. You meet famous people all the time. It's not always the best story. But I remember you being like, good for you. Try it. Like encouraging. That's why I said you always have the ability to be kind no matter what. And you should always know your surroundings and your circumstances. So for that, I appreciate you. Whether. Thank you. People want to believe, like, because I do know that when we're really kind, people don't want to believe it. We always want to think the worst. We think there's some agenda behind people being kind. And that's just not Mm -hmm. the case. Mm -hmm. So then here you go. You are coming off of, I think, arguably, if not the most defining moment in college sports. What you all did with the Fab Five really redefined what college athletics look like for basketball players, for Black men specifically. Very very similarly to what Allen Iverson did for when he decided to change the face of the game. People develop when you don't live up to that level of excellence or people say you haven't lived up to that level of excellence, i.e. for you not winning the national championship. People develop habits. They either have like they try to medicate their way through the disappointment, whether that be alcohol and drinking, or people lie and, and create different realities. How did you cope with not winning? Did you have to medicate? I mean, yes, you went to the league, but did you have to medicate? Did you have to find a way to cope with what wasn't, no matter how popular you guys were, at the end of the day, you know, everybody mm-hmm. wanna win it all. We're competitors. We mm-hmm. want to win
0: it all. Correct. So, as I mentioned, I'm from the northwest side of Detroit. I was born in 73, raised in the 80s during the Reagan crack era. Yep. And a lot of cities, clearly the entire nation and urban communities uh, were affected. And, and, and Detroit were, was hit hard, if not just as hard. And so I've been hardened by my upbringing. and as I'm older now, man, I look back at it and it just, it's just like a great foundation that I could keep building on and building on and building on. And it—and it's like, uh, well, it's like Ashford and Simpson, you build it up and build it up. And then right? we style
7: it. Exactly. <laughs> and,
0: and so like that, that's, that, that that's kind of how I approach like the journey and, and the things that I've overcome that were failures because a lot of times what you may see as a success accomplishing a goal, accomplishing a dream. Everybody else can still try to act like, Oh, it ain't all that. Ain't y'all won a championship, but you only had five points. Oh, y'all had a six game win streak, but you ain't played. You're right. Like, You're right. So people can always minimize what you do. amen. No matter what it is. You hey, guys, LeBron, you got four championships, but hey, you had to go to three different teams. Like, yeah, it can yeah. always make, right? Right, right. So when I was in high school going to Southwestern, our school had lost the state championship eight years in a row before I got there. Okay. I played JV my freshman year, and I played varsity my sophomore year. My sophomore year, we won the PSL. We won the city and we lost the state championship for the ninth consecutive time. <laughs> it was like Jerry of your Lakers. <laughs> like it, was, it was crazy, right? And my junior year going into that season, there was a writer that still writes in Detroit. Shout out to Mick McCabe. I'll say your name. Good, Mick McCabe. I'm, hey, You know, feel good. I, I love you. You know hey. what I'm saying? Uh, he always wrote bad about our program. He always, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever. And I know he didn't know me. You know what I'm saying? And I saw that he was only writing that about me because of how well we was doing. It it bugged me out. Like, wait a minute. Like, we got the number one team in the city, the state, and the country. and And I'm like, hold on. Like, this can't be life. And so that started to teach me about
1: it. The game you learn that no matter what you do, they will still find something.
0: Correct. People go, people can criticize whatever you do. Like, and so when I realized that, I was like, I'm gonna do my best to be my best, make all of the sacrifices I can make. And yeah, losing stinks, it hurts. When we lost the Duke, yeah, stunk, it hurt. We cried. Of course. But I did say. I looked up to Vegas and they just beat them the year before. Like they was better than us. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. At some point you got to look in the mirror and do you see yourself or your representative?
1: Right. Like, so it you learned in high school not to medicate when people criticize or you in a different way, meaning like you're like, all right, look, no matter what, like, I got to look at this big picture.
0: Well, the word medicating started way before the Fab Five. That's because right. Because I'm the, I'm the product of my environment. And I might have been exposed to joints in 40 ounces as a teenager. Sure. That might have been something. I might have had somebody cop for me as an underage. By the way, you know, though, person. it's
1: legal. It's fine. It's legal now. Right. <laughs> that may
0: have happened before in around 15 years of age. That might have happened. Sure. And it wasn't because I won or lost a basketball game. but but,
1: but what i'm saying is did you use it to cope
0: like yes okay it's 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 one of the things i try to encourage adults to do is to try to allow people to keep their innocent young people to keep their innocence as long as possible Uh like i know the internet exists television exists sex drugs exposure to everything music or whatever but the, the more you can keep their minds and their hearts, like, focus on their goals and dreams and pure and innocent and, like, happy about the journey and not hardened by the journey, you give them a chance to, like, shape who they are. Yeah. I ain't get yeah. that chance. Yeah.
7: Yeah.
0: You know what I'm saying? I, 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 I was one of those kids, like, I might have been a youngster, like, hey, you about to get some of this cold 45, put you to sleep. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know about that. Yeah, like you're a little
1: too my, mom, for... my mom would be like I'd be like mom let me po- my mom would be mad at me if I made her drink wrong and then if I made it wrong she'd make me have it she'd be like sip right. that I'm like I don't want it but I was like but maybe
0: maybe, <laughs> exactly. yeah and, and, and by the way for those that don't know when I say Cole 45 that's Billy D you know, <laughs> the black you know what I'm saying oh. he's a legendary pitchman and handsome oh. well spoken oh. guy yeah
1: Hey everybody! Don't go anywhere. You know what we got to do. We got to pay the bills. We'll be back in just a moment with Jalen Rose on Naked.
4: Every champion and carry champions to be a champion. A champion and carry champion and carry champion. A champion and carry champion and carry champion. Greatest, greatest in sports and entertainment. Get naked with me.
2: This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV True Crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A.
5: I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how, I don't know where, I don't know what. God, if you show me, God, if you tell me, God, no, 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 You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick.
1: hey everybody thank you for hanging in there i gotta pay these bills as i often say every single week uh, i'm glad you stayed because Jalen tells a very beautiful story and i think this will help you understand who he is and how he moves Jalen, what's up The beauty of your story as we talk about what what didn't happen is what you did make happen. Like, you know, I was there. I'm old enough to remember when you produced a beautiful Fab Five doc. Um, And I'm old enough to remember that you were able to tell your own story and create your own narrative in spite of what people may have said. You know what I mean? Win or lose, you were able to tell your own story. I think that's the most important thing for any human being. It's a create their own narrative because people will tell you a story, not the way in which you want it to be told. Um, mm-hmm. And I remember thinking, what a wonderful, beautiful accomplishment. And for someone who lived through the Fab Five era and had my mm-hmm. Michigan shirt from Target, I used to be like, y'all made y'all made paraphernalia popular. My mom's like, why do you want a Michigan shirt? I was like, because I'm going go to go there. She's like, no, you're not. I was like, okay. <laughs> that won't be happening, but okay. Aww. But the point of the matter is, is that, It was cool. It was popular. It was, you know, I I was proud of you, you know, as a colleague, but also as somebody who came full circle. The story has always been, and you always, your line is always the same. Your story is always the same. It's always been like, see, Webb has never recovered. You're like, no, he's fine. We're all good. We're all friends now when I go back mm-hmm. to you being that politician and taking care of everybody. Um, mm-hmm. Do you have the rapport with him that and the rest of the crew that you wish you that you wish you should have had, or is, has that ship sailed?
0: That's a terrific question. I'm, I, I'm glad you asked that in the con- context of the Fab Five doc. And that was still a time I remember I had the, like, legendary debate with Skip and I talked about his high school stats or whatnot. Like, that was at a time where athletes were required to only either stick to sports or only talk about the sport that they played. So I just remember, like, from 2007 to 2012, like, I was just working at Best Damn from 2002 to 2007. Doing MTV Movie Awards, Top Rank Boxing, NFL Network sideline, da da da. It's all over. And it. all of a sudden, I'm here, and it's like, hold on, y'all think. And this is like the public, and like just, you know, people that see you as a former athlete, like, oh, he could, he he talking about football,
7: mm-hmm.
0: he talking about baseball, he talking mm-hmm.
1: about boxing. Yeah, like, we could do it all. Yeah.
0: Right. So let me get this right. So you didn't play anything didn't get to talk about everything, but don't but put me in a box. And so executive producing that documentary was also important to me because as an athlete having his own production company, I just did a play called The Greatest Love Story Ever Told. Yes. Where the story of Mary and Joseph. And it was around the time when Tyler Perry had started his chilling Circuit um, stage plays. And so I I was taking pride in doing a lot of things that athletes are doing now that seem normal. Not clearly that I was the first. I mean, Shaq was doing movies. Mm -hmm. I mean, Fred the Hammer Williamson in the 60s and Jim Brown was doing Mm -hmm. movies. Like, by no means uh, uh, am I the first. But like, Doing that documentary meant that. So hiring Aaron Cohen, who now has gone on to do multiple projects with ESPN. Mm-hmm. Jason Air. First project he did was Fab Five Doc.
1: Mm-hmm. And he
0: just crushed it with The Last Dance. Now he's he's turning down work.
1: Yeah, he's like, I'm busy. And so
0: mm-hmm. I turn around and say to them, like, so I ain't got another project? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And to answer your Fab Five part of it, I had two endings. The ending that I wanted was going to have it mafioso. It was going to be suited and booted, hats on, scarves on, big table, my, big chairs, lobster, double, triple bottles of, of champagne all on the table. Like, we won the game of life. Mm-hmm. That's what I wanted the ending to be. hmm if we weren't going to get a current interview from C. Well, then it ended up being what it ended up being. Mm-hmm. And so in theory, over that 10 year period, I mean, we can't hide the fact that y'all ain't seeing us in the front row at the Piston game. You know what I mean? Y'all ain't seeing us in right. front row at the Michigan game in Jawan coaching. Right. So I can't act like it's where I've, thought it would end up currently. But what I will say it's a lot better than it used to be. And I see a time in the near future where we'll get in the same place at the same time and break bread as brothers and talk about the things we like and don't like. And hopefully we'll get past it and break another barrier. Um, Because like we've invested so much in each other Mm -hmm. and the public, and so many people have invested so much in us. Mm-hmm. And I know what it looked like to see your favorite group break up. I
1: remember EPMD broke up. Yo. Oh, my God. Outcast, yeah. Like, oh, what? My God? Fuji. Oh, my God. You know what I mean? I, Don't listen. Let, listen. You like, how I y'all gonna leave? No addition. Oh, my God. This is affecting my life. Ice Cube was leaving NWA. That changed oh. my entire world. That is, that crushed we my entire
0: world. <laughs> right. Right. So I know, I understand how it's important for the public and the culture who made yeah. us. Right? Yeah. We didn't even want to be called Fab Five. five. Mm-hmm. We wanted to be called five times. <laughs> that was a dumb name. Uh-huh, like uh-huh. the public was
1: right. Yeah. And, you guys didn't know.
0: And so, <laughs> right. And, and so based on all of those things, like, I was there when he got inducted into the Hall of Fame. I was happy to go support him, type of thing, and hopefully we can be in Ann Arbor to support Juwan and the
1: team. So, you know, it's a uh, this well What's the here's the here's the thing when you when you guys are because you guys were kids, kids. Like we we don't we forget, especially when you when you're calling games. These these you're kids. You don't grow up, men, especially. No offense, y'all don't grow up to much, much much later in life. I'm not even talking about in your 20s, maybe your 30s. You know what I mean? Kind of getting it in your 40s. So you take these kids and you put them in these positions and they can't process a lot. So it's hard. And if you're not doing the work to understand what's going on, I don't know C-Web, but I, 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 I feel like I see a lot in him. And I see a lot of disappointment and rage and sadness. And what about me? And And I deserve and a lot of I am, you know, and that happens when you feel like you have been treated unfairly in life, which brings me back to what I have been able to see you do with the cars that you have been given, which is a beautiful thing. Um, and it's, and it's, and it's rare as a black man to see you to prosper in that way. And then they get, then you, then you get the, the naysayers who, who, who will try to say, oh, but he didn't, but he, like you said earlier, they're always finding something wrong. Do you have any regrets about your professional career and how you handled it on and off the court? And regrets may not be the word. Do you have any redos? Do you have any redos in your professional career? as a basketball player, not as an analyst, but as a basketball player that you would rather do again? On uh, um,
0: redos, I definitely would have won one championship in college. Definitely would have won one in the league. Um,
1: but what does no that redo- do? When you win a chip, what does that do? What, why would that be a redo for you? Does it solidify your legacy? Does it make your words more powerful when you talk on TV? What would no and
0: no, and no and no. No, no. I, I, I'm glad. I'm glad you deciphered that. And I have an example for that. OK. And his name is Scottie Pippen.
1: <laughs> you ain't lying. And I want Scotty, if you're listening, talk- stop talking. Go ahead.
0: <laughs> as, as much as we talk about winning at all costs. You're right. And mm-hmm. how it seems to be the thing that's going to make us the most happy. And I know some of that's out of his control because. When people rapping about you in songs and they ain't necessarily rapping about you, but they rapping about somebody to carry your name, like you can't control that. But either way, he reminds me that just winning championships doesn't necessarily make you happy. Mm -mm. And I'm glad you asked the question that you asked, because in theory, no. Winning those championships does not validate me more to myself. It probably validates more me more to some people who are going to shallow look at me shallow like a job anyway
7: mm-hmm.
0: and, and put me in that box. Mm-hmm. But it, it, it's just a sense of being able to see your hard work and the journey that you've accomplished to get a chance to compete against the best and the best to have that crown and achievement. It's more, it's more for that reason. Okay. Then it is for like people to pat me on the back because all people to turn around and do is say, all you want is one. Like, like yeah.
1: you, we ain't got, one. you only got one. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, damn, that's one more than you.
7: That's one more than you dog. Yeah. right.
1: You are now, um, Working at ESPN, and you have been able to take yourself. I remember you even t- explaining this to me and telling me how the journey started for you, or what you were doing, and how you, like you mentioned earlier, freelancing, and working all these different places. And then you work yourself into the spot, the position where you want to be, and you find yourself on all these different platforms and you, and you live in. And you get to the point where you're like the face of countdown and you're doing all these different things Jalen and Jacoby, get up, you get these big deals. And then you find that the business is the business. What's your overall takeaway? Of Because for me, it was different. I came in as a journalist and you know what my, my story is. And I've shared that with you personally and professionally. But you know I had to walk away because I had to find my worth and find where, I've, where I felt appreciated mm-hmm. as we all have to do in all relationships. Mm-hmm. What's your overall takeaway when you look at from the moment you started your, your analyst career to where you are now? Also including the moments when everybody loves you and you got a pilot on ABC and you acting in it. You know what I'm saying? Good job, by the right. way. But take like all of that, like all the things that you've been able to do and then where you are now. I see ebbs and flows. I see highs and lows, but I see you staying consistent. How, what's your biggest takeaway of this, this post-NBA career now working as an analyst? What are you giving that so, information out? Right. So my biggest
0: takeaway, and by the way, congratulations on everything you accomplished. Thank you. Then yeah. and now. Thank you. Like to to see you, Jamel, Michael Smith, okay. people that I consider family, brothers and sisters. Yeah. You know, I work with Michael. Numbers never lie. Before it became okay. his and hers. Jamel's from Detroit. Like. That's family, and you talked about your relationship with me as well. I think my biggest takeaway has is thread in each of you guys, is woven in each of you guys' situations. It's continue to fight for my voice. Mm-hmm. And what ends up happening is there are times when I need to go to work and do countdown on a Sunday afternoon after like understanding what just happened with Breonna Taylor Mm. and I'm just like sweating through my shirt and we've seen the political cycle change from a lot of more of stick to sports when Colin was taking the knee to like when the presidential cycle kind of changed and it became a lot more divisive. It became like it, 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 politics immersed itself so much into sports yeah. that we couldn't even act like we were ignoring it anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so uh, as uh, uh as somebody that my culture has named their kids after me And I don't know if that's not named Jalen. I don't know I don't know
1: a kid that's not named Jalen. Sorry, side note. (laughs) I don't know a kid that's not named Jalen. Go ahead.
0: (laughs) And I just saw an article that somebody sent me today, like the most popular name in college basketball, but understanding where I came from and starting to make a lot of my goals and dreams come true. Mm It never took me away from the authenticity of who I am. And I make sure that those don't get separated. And I don't have to tell you that's the toughest thing to do. I'll give you a perfect example. The Kyle Rittenhouse verdict came out. Yeah. And I've been watching the trial, saw how the judge was behaving, saw the jokes that he was making. And I saw like the politicism of who was backing him. Sure.
7: Mm-hmm.
0: And the things that were being said to the point where they started to make sure that we know. Mm-hmm. So y'all ain't surprised. Mm-hmm. That there's a good chance that he's going to get off. Don't be surprised. Like, we don't want y'all to be surprised. Mm-hmm. Right. And so he gets off, and we're about to do a show. I think we were in the garden or in Barclays, one of them. And I just remember standing in, I was, I was so disappointed. And I was glad that we were addressing the topic. And I was just trying to recall so many different stories of black men that have been murdered by the police.
7: Mm-hmm.
0: And so as we started to talk about the Jacob Blake thing, I misspeak and say um, that he was murdered by police. mm mm-hmm. Greeny corrects me. I correct myself, say he was shot seven times. And I definitely want to apologize to his family for misspeaking, but I do understand he was paralyzed. I do understand mm-hmm. that um, because of that, Milwaukee Bucks were the first team that eventually led to so many different mm-hmm. teams and sports and ultimately the NBA not playing. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, I'm happy that they got rewarded ultimately by winning the championship. That's a right. A years later. Yeah. I felt like that was karma that worked in their favor. But what I noticed is there was a segment of the population that sees me not normal NBA analysts. They see me as the figure in the culture that I just described. They see me as a founder of a high school for a decade. Amen. And I have to remind myself that they see me as a threat. I'm not just here to talk about ball. Mm -hmm. So when I make a mistake, they're going to try to reverse engineer the mistake and act like they care about what I said about him. Right. But really, they're just trying to make it like people like me are spreading misinformation For for sure to create a narrative. Yeah. But ignore the facts of what happened in the case. Right whether he got acquitted or not. Right. And to your question, those circumstances continue to remind me how the work that's happening in the community is so precious. And it inspires me to continue to do it and do more.
1: And that's why you have a platform.
0: I know that when I speak, it's not just X's and O's normal analysts. It's like, he talking for his people. Mm-hmm. And you ready for this, Carrie? I'm ready. The I'm other ready. thing about tearing me down with that, use certain buzzwords like dumb. Oh. So just think about this now. I was an honor roll student in high school. I made the dean's list in college. I graduated from the college. I'm a founder of a school. My best-selling author. Mm-hmm. I currently write a column for the New York Post and do a podcast called The Renaissance Man. So if you can try to paint me as dumb, you then try to elevate the journey of the people behind me, and then you can now roll that same thing, rinse and repeat over to the people that look like me. But we're not going for that.
7: Mm-hmm.
0: And so that's what I continue to learn, and I know I get it. Like, 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 I guess if if I guess if I was a woman, I could say that there are times, unfortunately, that I see in the industry that as they start to get older, their bodies change, the, how their fashion changes. Da da da. They may not be the flavor of the moment for people like me. Wearing a Mm goatee and saying arrest the cops that murdered Breonna Taylor, Mm -hmm. like that don't necessarily endear you in a lot of spaces.
1: Mm, Yeah, of course. Well, I don't think, I don't think that speaking truth to power endears you to anybody. I think sometimes it's a necessary Mm -hmm. evil, like washing your own clothes because I don't like to watch, I wish somebody else Good was doing point. that. But it's That's a necessary a evil. Speaking truth to power doesn't endear you to anybody—woman, man, child, boy, girl. Which is what what I'm hearing you say is, and this may not be what you're saying, but what I'm hearing is that the pla- I need to be on this platform—it's necessary because I'm speaking for people that don't have a voice. And, it, and also, yeah. And also, to be honest, yeah. Not many people
0: that have my background that you could take them to the chapel, you could take them to the block, sure. you could take them to the White House. Sure. sure. You, know, you want to go to barber shop. You want sure. you, 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 you want you want to go to the tailor. Like where you want to go. You want you want to go to school. Like wherever you want to be whatever you want to do. Yeah. And so that is the value. It's almost like when rap started to become popular. Remember EPMD made the song Keep the Crossover? Yeah. Like, we was trying to keep rap
7: yeah,
0: from becoming mainstream. Uh-huh. Because we knew once rap became mainstream, we was going to lose it to the almighty dollar. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so that is the, that's the importance for me is, if I'm able to continue to maintain the way I've been able to, I know I can be that credible voice that may not always, you know, get uh I guess uh appreciated by mainstream America. Yeah. But I know I'm speaking for well, the for people sure. that look and sound for like sure, me. For sure,
1: for sure. And by the way though, Jalen. You said something about like, you know, getting older and changing at different women. Like I my hope for everybody in this business to who who does what we do is to watch that we can watch them evolve. Like if I'm still talking about the same thing I was talking about and trying to dress how I dress when I was on first take, I'm an idiot. If I'm still trying to sell sex, I'm an idiot like that don't work. We've seen we have colleagues who have gone way beyond that and they still selling sex. I'm talking about men and women. If they still doing that same That same shtick, 20, 30 years later, I don't care how much money it's making you, you're an idiot. And you're really Mm -hmm. not for the cause, you're for the fame. And so you have Mm -hmm. to realize that as I've watched you evolve and, and transition, it's a welcome transition. It's a welcome transition. And it allows you to live in a lot of different worlds where you are very impactful. Everybody can't live in a different world. Like you just talked about all the places you can be and where you can live and everyone thinks they can do that. Everybody can't do that. So, no. so, so the goal I would hope is that I'm not Carrie from 2012 when the world was introduced to me, that, that I am living in a world where I, I know what my purpose is. And that's to help brown girls, like to brown women, to, to be a face, mm-hmm. to be unapologetic about that I say, whether you like it or not. Um, but I know that the work that I'm doing, because being the first is always the hardest. You've been the first in a lot of situations. So you got to take the heat. You're the you like maybe the only constant I think on Countdown. I'm thinking like who else is the constant, right? Like that's a first in itself, yes. especially yes. on that platform where they change it every five minutes and they mad at everybody every five seconds. And know that when people come to you, they're trying to be you or some form of you. Like I know that these girls are trying to be some form of me and what I used to be, right? Mm-hmm. And but right. but know that what you're doing is defining. So much for so many men. I had a conversation with Draymond the other day. He told me some stuff. You said to him, he was like, That's my dog. I was like, right? Like you're doing what you're supposed to do, right? The first real big superstar in basketball from his home state, I think. I may be, I may be making that up, but I really think it is. And ultimately what he wants to do, right? Say what you want about mm-hmm. Chuck. He's the first to be so ridiculous in so many ways, but still be accepted. Right. Yep. So, Correct. so it's a beautiful thing that I'm witnessing happen. And I love what you said about where you find yourself now um, and being a mainstay at the network. And who cares what I think about? It? Like, I, I have my own experience. You have your own experience. We process it differently. I came in very differently than you came in. I was treated very differently than you were treated. All the same, but you know what I mean? Everyone has their own experience. I want to end this podcast with what I asked you before off the top because you said something I thought was powerful and I think it'll be helpful. Do you ever find yourself, because what wasn't present in your life doesn't necessarily determine who you are because you've made the best of it, but do you ever find yourself wishing you could have had a conversation with your father?
0: I wanted to meet him in person for sure. Like it's one thing to be able to talk to him on the phone and I'm glad I had that piece and be able to tell him that I appreciate him. I love him and I don't have any hard feelings, but to meet him in person would have provided a different level of gravity to the circumstance, like a sense of closure. You know what I mean? That I didn't get a chance to, look him in his eyes, shake his hand, hug his neck type of thing. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that bothered me for a while. And that ultimately is what made me walk away from the game. When mm. I stopped playing, I could have played a couple of more years. Mm-hmm. And I decided to go work for ESPN at that time because I was already working in media. You don't just walk away from the league making what I made. Mm-hmm. and then making what I made start doing multimedia. Mm-hmm. And so I, I just felt like I wanted to start something different. So yes, I, I, I do feel like that has a a purpose in my head and heart that's definitely un, unfulfilled.
1: Mm-hmm. And what do you do with that? Do you know, or is it to be continued? I uh, I don't mean to
0: be mean. I don't mean to be rude. I don't mean to be disrespectful. I don't mean to like be naive maybe right Mm -hmm. there were days weeks months and years that I didn't think about my father
1: understandable had
0: to focus on what was happening right now Mm -hmm. this concrete jungle that I'm growing up in like how am I get to school Mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying like Mm -hmm. I gotta worry about all of this Mm -hmm. and so as I matriculated as a young man I tried to like, not worry about the things that I could control. That's right. And I had a terrific mom. I lost my mother in February I and I miss her sorry. so much, February 2nd. I'm sorry. And she protected me from all of that stuff because she worked at the plant, but she also worked at the bar. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I got a chance to see all sides of working nine to five, Jeannie Rose. But then we at the bar, and I'm giving people their drinks and giving and I'm drinking Shirley Temples and putting money in the pinball machine. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And yeah. that 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 gave me a level of uh it gave me a level of perseverance mm-hmm. that I felt like failure wasn't an option. So as I started having success and all of my goals and dreams started to come true and I say this to any people, especially black people, guys that don't know your father or don't know your mother or whatever, like at some point you got to let it go. Like you can't be out here 35 still blaming your mother and father for decisions you made. Like you just can't. Beautiful. I've lived this. I'm telling you, you can't do that. You sound crazy. (laughs) Now, like address your trauma like get the therapy and the support that you need. Mm -hmm. But sometimes that dysfunction is what can actually, that stumbling block can actually be your stepping stone to your opportunities, but it's dressed in overalls and you don't even see it. And so you can't, I can't, and I didn't always blame what I didn't have for what wasn't happening. Mm -hmm. I was like, I'm going to be the guy. That, that breaks this glass ceiling, and I'm so very fortunate that sports and entertainment and being educated and and, and doing that in this doggy dog field where you know how it works, you yeah. know, rinse and repeat. When you the player, is like yeah. after a couple of years, how much he make? Oh, let's get somebody that's cheaper, you know, hey, like da da da. And so I, I've been really fortunate that. I've been able to maintain doing what I'm doing,
1: yeah,
0: and we'll see you know how long it continues to happen like this,
1: yeah, but you are never you never falling off because you've got too many talents um thank so you. I already know that there's just that next chapter of greatness it's never and and it's not for the approval of anybody else, but just for yourself, you know what I mean, thank you I see I, I see a, a big, huge, gigantic future um. Thank you so much for joining us on Naked. I appreciate you, Jalen Rose. My pleasure. Cheers. Cheers to you. you know <laughs> I mean? Cheers. More. Poor the Dom that's been sitting in the fridge for a year. you yeah, rich. Like, like, this like real rich black shit over here. Real rich black
0: you know Why here. Why well, hit my he head. He was out on the date and she didn't even know what it was. He was pouring it. <laughs> and she, he was like, that's Dom Perignon. It's supposed
1: to bubble. It's supposed to bubble, boo. (laughs) I say this because it's true. All of us as adults, especially when you become aware of yourself as an adult, spend a lot of time trying to figure out our childhood and how it made us who we are today. And once we break down those images, those ideas, those memories, and we really come into our own, we blossom into something special and beautiful. And I believe that is what is happening with my friend, Jalen Rose. Nothing is wrong. Everything is right. Everything is as it should be, right? We judge ourselves so much, but everything is as it should be. I appreciate him telling his story about his father because it really does show me two things. One, incredible determination. He has been able to succeed in spite of because of the images that were in his life, his mother. He talks about that. He lost his mother recently. I know that had to be painful. And again, I'm sending you so much love, my brother. I'm sorry. But then look at what he's been able to do. He's the guy that I know as an NBA player, as a veteran that is giving great analysis on ESPN. There's the actor in him that I'm pretty sure that he has yet to talk about. But I love that he is so much more than what we see on the surface. I say that for you all as well. There's so much more. Don't be afraid to go out and show people who you are. Don't be afraid to make mistakes. Don't be afraid to be like, I don't have it. It's so beautiful to be authentic and true and naked. We spend so much time pretending like everything is okay, myself included. But I'm glad Jalen took some time today to share his story. We're back next week. I appreciate y'all's support.